This time in episode 384 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Loki Season 1, Episode 6, For All Time, Always, and Weekly Marvel News. I'm SP from Better Podcasting, a show dedicated to help make your podcast better. And it is part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other insightful and wonderful geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of the show, Director S.P. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Thursday, July 15th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast fractured timeline-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Michelle, happy National Gummy Worm Day. Okay, sure. The only thing that I really think is special about gummy worms is the fact that they're warm and I've been keeping them in my pocket all day. Okay. Have you ever seen Ferris Bueller? Oh my gosh, yes, at the end. <laughs> Where the principal comes on the bus yes, and, and the little yes. girl and the uh, student says, you want a gummy worm? They're warm. I've been keeping them in my pocket all day. And you yes. get the look on his face. Ugh. Oh my gosh. Oh God. It's been forever since I've seen that movie. Right, right. I think it was on in the background on one of the channels like USA or FX or something like that in like a, a lobby I was in or something like that. And I was like, oh, it's that movie. Also, these national days, I think this is just a joke at this point in time because gummy worm day, really? So the people over at the national day calendar, I commend you on coming up with so many days out of the year, but I think you've just sold out one too many times because I don't think we need a national gummy worm day. I don't. Yeah, I think, I don't know, was today or yesterday national, like, be a dork day or happy being a dork is cool day? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm a dork, so I'm proud of it. There's probably somebody who is a dork on the staff, and they're like, I want my special day, so they made yes. it up. Yeah. Hey, there are plenty of dorks, and we are proud. <laughs> Apparently. Well, we'll get into that as we talk about the rest of the show. Legends of Field is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of using bureaucracy to keep the peace. If you'd like to talk to us all about government bureaucracy to maintain peace, you can catch us on our website at legendsofshield.com. We have a voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-ONE. That's 844-843-2871. If you want to debate with us the facets of the DMV bureaucracy and how that's somehow maintaining the peace, you can leave us a note on our Facebook page at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. We're on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. All the red tape that you have to go to to watch red band trailers on YouTube. You can leave us a note on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash gonna geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. 
you want to discuss bureaucracies with us on our Discord server, you're welcome to at goodygeek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the goodygeek.com network. Agent Lauren wanted to be here tonight. She had planned to be here tonight, but she had a little bit too much fun last night and really just can't speak. So she is not here tonight, but we plan to have her next week for the Big Black Widow episode. That's a reminder, next week we'll be covering Black Widow. This week we're covering Loki. Yep. And with that, do you want to talk Loki? Season finale? Season one finale? Sure do. Oh, I just gave a spoiler. Loki, season one, episode six, for all time, always premiered on Disney Plus, July 14th, 2021. It was directed by Kate Hernan, who directed all six episodes. She has 15 directing credits starting in 2010, including five episodes of The Idris Takeover, five episodes of 5x5, one episode of Summer Comedy Shorts, one episode of Halloween Comedy Shorts, four episodes of Sex Education, one episode of Daybreak. And as I mentioned, all six episodes of Loki, just like you would a major motion picture. This episode was written by Michael Waldron, who's also the showrunner. Has four writing credits starting in 2019, including one Rick and Morty, two Loki, eight heels, and the upcoming Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. The second writer was Eric Martin, who has four writing credits starting in 2005, including Blind Date, Tony Caparzo, Super Cop, The Other Mother, and two Loki. So I was watching this yesterday and when it came out and I was like, okay, we're going to get everything all wrapped up in a nice little bow in this episode. And then we're going to head off into what if, because we had heard that what if would be releasing on August 11th. So I was like, Hey, look, this is what we got going on. I had just watched the black widow movie. I'm like, we're rolling along along pretty well. And then we got to that final scene saying Loki is coming back for season two. I had talked about it before. I just want to get this out of the way right away. I had talked about it before on the podcast, but it was unconfirmed. And I couldn't justifiably say we are definitely having a season two. So I I didn't say it. I said there was rumors of a season two, but I didn't say there was going to be a season two. And we'll get into the specifics of that a little bit later. But Michelle, what did you think about the ending, that cliffhanger sort of thing? It felt like I watched this episode twice and it just feels like I don't think they meant to end there. Because all of a sudden at the end, Loki's back and then for some reason they can't recognize him and then he's just sitting there and I'm just going, why does this feel odd? Because I don't know. I felt like, did we skip something or I don't know. So, yeah. Right. I had all sorts of concerns towards the end. I was like, wow, where are we going? That sort of thing. And I, all I could think of is we are now more integrated into the regular MCU. And we are now treating these as part of must-sees for the MCU. And this was, I likened it to a cliffhanger on Star Trek to the Next Generation called Best of Both Worlds, which was in between season three and season four. It was very dramatic cliffhanger there this one it was a little bit different because you just didn't know where it was going you just had a lot of things that were changing and a lot of unknowns out there 
And to be honest with you, this whole multiverse thing coming off of Endgame really hasn't been explored inside the MCU whatsoever. So it's really out there as to what's going on. Is it tied into WandaVision? Is it tied into the Doctor Strange? Probably. It's probably more tied into Doctor Strange. But then where is the TVA? Because a lot of us have been speculating it's within the quantum realm. So is the quantum realm part of the multiverse? I don't know what's going on here. But a lot of unanswered questions, just going to get that out of the way to begin with. And it was just kind of an odd feeling once we got to the end. I thought that the post-credit scene, I just suspected there was a post-credit scene. I hadn't heard there was or not, but I expected the post-credit scene would be more explanatory than it was, and it wasn't. So yeah, I had a lot of issues with the end. but. To talk about the beginning, the one thing that I noticed about the beginning, you know, the Marvel pre-roll that usually has the majestic Marvel opening music and you see all the cartoons flashing by or the screenshots or whatever. There was something special about it this time, wasn't there, Michelle? Yeah, there was audio from different Marvel properties and then even, for lack of a better phrase, real world, Carl Sagan, Maya Angelou. Nelson Mandela was also in there and it was very interesting hearing all of these snippets of lines from here and there and such um, instead of the music and also the opening, the usual theme music for Loki was different. Right. The fantastic Loki theme that's out there that I haven't found a duplicative version of out there anywhere. It's pretty fantastic and we just didn't get that. The last voiceover, so I had the closed captioning on. The last voiceover in there was Sylvie telling Loki to open your eyes. So it rounded and took it back to the last thing that we saw for episode five. But before that, there was a lot of quotes from the MCU, a lot of famous quotes from each individual character, the main characters from all of the, I don't know if it was all the movies, because I don't remember any of the Gardens of Galaxies in there. In there. There might have been, I don't know. Yeah, there was Dance Off. That that was part of Gardens of the Galaxy. Gardens of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think that's supposed to mean something. I mean, why was it different, right? Why did we hear all that? And then as we backed away from the universe, we hear more of the historic quotes, like the moon landing and stuff like that, as the radio waves propagate throughout space, denoting you're getting farther away from Earth. And there was probably something with that, but I don't know the true meaning behind the beginning. And I think it's got a meaning. I think it might signify this was the sacred timeline that we knew and it was going to break in the future. I I have no idea, but things are going to obviously change in the future. But the voiceover was a key that this episode was going to be different. And it it definitely was. And then there was another big thing that happened in this episode that I want to talk about right away. And I'm really disappointed in this because it was kind of leading up to it. And we just hoped it either would happen, it wouldn't have happened. And it was just very frustrating at the end to see what they did. And I'm talking about, we didn't see Mobius on a jet ski. I know. That was very upsetting. We got to see, you know, Renslayer being a principal, 
I think it would have been very interesting to have seen Mobius also. Like, Rinslayer could have been running a hotel or something, and then in the background, we just see, you know, Mobius on a jet ski or something like that. That would have been kind of funny because they did talk about how they have an unusual bond, how she always, like, stuck her neck out for him, and apparently eons of friendship. It would have been interesting to have seen some sort of weird connection. Like, I don't know. She has like one of those shaved ice stands or whatever. And then again, him on the jet ski going by or whatever. Just, you know, something like There's that. There's always money in the banana stand. Always. Always. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. But we didn't get it. We did get, though, was a very failed faint lunch from Mobius to Renslayer, right? I think that was planned. And I have nothing to justify this whatsoever, but why would he do that and fail so miserably? He's not that bad of an agent. Maybe he is. I don't know. I think he placed a tracker on her and I watched it the second time and I was like, how much contact did he have with her? And it wasn't much at all, but I could see him planning some sort of tracker on her in that altercation so he can find her. So maybe that's why he did it. And he just wanted to find out what was going on. And the only way that he was going to be able to do that was follow her versus have her explain it because she was shut down. She wasn't explaining anything. So I don't know. If you take a look at that conversation, that altercation that ended it, you know, maybe it's a tracker there. I don't know. Yeah, that felt a little off, too. I understand he was upset, but it's like he already knew he was going to lose that fight. It was just odd. Like, there was just... A few odd moments of like, where did this come from in this episode? Let's talk about Miss Minutes for a second. So Miss Minutes happened to be more integral into the entire thing that we gave credit for all the way to the beginning because she's working for the guy who's in charge. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I just want to focus on Miss Minutes here. She's going back and forth. She seems to know an awful lot about everything. So is she like a digital assistant to this person who's supposedly from the 31st century, or is she an entity on her own and maybe one of the three time true timekeepers? I would really like it if she was one of his first creations, one of the original timekeepers, the entity that he used to create the TVA because she is in charge of everything. She's in charge of training and finding files. And she even changed what Renslayer got. We don't know what that was because she says she's going off to search for free will. Who knows what that means? So at the beginning we get of the episode, we get Loki and Sylvie coming up to the Citadel. What we know is a Citadel by the end of the episode. And the Citadel is kind of fractured. It's got, kind of lighting cracks in it and the camera work is made. So it's kind of tilting to make you feel off balance basically. And they get in there. They don't have to blow the door down because the door opens, they walk in and then they find Miss Minutes there, but they're trying to figure out what's going on. They finally figure out what's going on, but it was just kind of a weird entrance because this was beyond either of their experiences. I thought 
that they could have been a little bit more tactical when they were approaching Miss Minutes because they were all they were staying together, but they could have branched out and they could have not let Miss Minutes corner them. So I don't know. The whole filming of that part of the scene, I scratched my head on a little bit, but I chalked it up to, hey, we're in the unknown here. I don't know if you felt that was odd or not as they were entering the Citadel. Well, she greeted them right at the door. And I don't really think they could have done anything. They know she was a hologram. It's not as though she was threatening them. She was tempting them with the whole, he can make anything happen. It's interesting if they would have agreed with her and made the deal with her, if it would have happened, that would have been interesting, but they didn't. So I don't really felt like that, that was not an odd moment for me. That was not one of the odd moments for me. Okay. Well, Miss Minutes basically leads them to the individual who is remaining named, he who remains. Now, how much do you know about Kang? Not a lot. I don't know a lot about Kang either, but he was cast to be part of the MCU, and we suspected that he was going to be part of this as well. He came in. And we don't know what version, because we're talking multiverse here. And he says something later as he's going, because it was like 15 minutes of exposition. He just was informing them of everything that happened and how he got to be and how the TVA got to be is actually honestly pretty boring for a finale. You would think that all that would have been known leading up to the finale, or at least people could have pieced it together enough. But we had to sit down and we had to go through this whole thing for a while. I was thinking to myself the entire time that this is actually one of the world conqueror versions that he was explaining. And he honestly says he's a villain and we're all villains here because, you know, Loki's a villain. And you could say Sylvie's a villain just because of all the people that she killed and murdered and that sort of stuff. But I don't think that this was anywhere near one of the benevolent versions i think this was an evil version of kang basically what do you think what version do you think we got here we got one that's bored and you can interpret that as someone who has you know when you read a lot of media whether it's about like vampires or other immortal type things and gods and such or if you go watch the good place then they talk about how eventually eternity is a really long time to exist and eventually there is that desire to just sort of like not be anymore um again this is after a very long life and maybe this one is bored maybe there is a rule about how he cannot content warning here cause his own death i want to phrase this in a way it's so maybe there was a rule because he does say stuff about like how you don't know which version of me is going to come out next because he talks about reincarnation. It seems as though someone else has to stop him. And that, that seems to be a rule because there's like that moment where he's like, I know everything. And then there's like this threshold and he just doesn't know. Maybe part of him did want Sylvie and Loki to take over and then him quote unquote ending meaning he could leave and then do whatever he wants without having to be reincarnated. So maybe part of him who is, 
who knows what version this is, whether it's world conquering or, you know, I want to give everybody a free iPhone or something. Somehow, for some reason, this version wanted to not be doing what he had been doing. And by the end, we get a version that seems to have been able to sort of somehow take over. It's one of those things that he said, you don't know which one of me is coming. It's almost like there's like a wheel. And I don't know. So maybe Miss Minutes or something. There's a wheel and Miss Minutes does the wheel. And all of a sudden it's like this version that comes out. I don't know who, who determines which version we get. I don't know. I just think that's kind of funny if Miss Minutes just has a wheel and it's like you from this new variant. Congratulations. You are now he who remains. You are now in charge of the TVA and apparently can become, you know, the one and only timekeeper or something. So, yeah. Just try this on for size. There are many copies and this has all happened before and this will all happen again. So say we all. Okay, there we go. So this is basically Battlestar Galactica within the MCU. (laughs) I got that (laughs) reference. Oh, yeah. I don't know if Kang's going to come out in Doctor Strange or not, or if we're going to have to wait until another movie, or maybe it's going to be beforehand. But I think things have been set in motion now. This is now a perfect time to launch What If, because you have a fractured timeline. The sacred timeline is no more. You have infinite number of branches going off. It's just perfect for What If. So What If actually could be canon in the different multiverses now, basically. So it's it's a good time for that. But I don't know what happens after that. Because no release dates have been out there. Uh, we have a filming order, right? But we don't know what's going to be next other than the movies. So I, I don't know when the movies are going to be in the timeline up to the point where the timeline fractured now or what's going on. It is such a confusing time for the MCU. This the all three series really have thrown a bit of a wrench into the MCU as we knew it coming out of Endgame. We could conceivably, one of the reasons why we might have gotten those voiceovers from like the Avengers and stuff, we could conceivably end up reliving everything after a, from Avengers or basically from current time. Like the MCU is rewritten to follow life as we know it up till now in 2021, 2022, 2023. And then we start a new MCU canon from then on in. I don't know. It's so weird. I have no idea what Kevin Feige and Marvel and Disney have in store for us. And we can speculate all we want, but who knows? We also have the Fantastic Four to come in. We have the the mutants to come in. So how are they going to be invited into the MCU phase five, phase six, phase seven, whatever. It's just too lucrative not to bring in the mutants. So it's going to happen. It's just a question of when, and I just don't know how it's going to be. It's, it's so difficult to speculate because you could conceivably in phase one, say we've got Thanos as the big villain. We're going to get the infinity gauntlet. You could have said that. Uh, especially with Avengers. But at this point, who knows? Game off, right? And I will leave spoilers out of Black Widow right now. But one of the speculations leading up to Black Widow after Endgame is we didn't know, and Tony Stark for that matter, 
we didn't know if timeline was going to be reset to bring them back in or not. I mean, if we're truly getting multiverse, odds are we're probably going to get some of these characters back in, but I don't know in what form. I would like to see Black Widow back, but considering how Tony Stark went out, we keep talking about how Iron Man no, his improvised line of I am Iron Man, you know, completely changed the MCU because again, in case you don't know the story, originally he was supposed to keep his identity secret, but Robert Downey Jr. just during one of them just went, I am Iron Man and it stuck. And how he died when he snapped, he's like, I am Iron Man. That is a very poetic way. You know, I love Robert Downey Jr. I really enjoy Iron Man. I'm really one of the people that it's like sometimes you just need to let characters die and stay dead. Please don't need to bring back everyone. I do would like to see Black Widow come back because her death was lame and she deserved better. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Her death was lame. I'm not going to argue that, but she did end up sacrificing herself. And does that take away from that sacrifice? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, we'll see. We'll talk about it more next week as well. Another big thing that happened in this episode, and I kind of teased it before, but I'm going to talk about it now. It's the Loki Sylvie kiss. I know a lot of people were watching this kind of romance come And they were like, yeah, it's kind of inevitable right now. The producers said that's not the type of relationship that they were going for. So it kind of tamped down the expectations. But we got this kiss. And you could take the kiss multiple ways. You can take the kiss in the way of of Sylvie finally trying to connect with Loki. Or you can take it as Sylvie trying to throw Loki off so she can take control. And she was just using it. So it was a weapon, so to speak. But we still got the kiss and it was like, wow, I didn't think Disney was going to go there. Even as they were both standing in front of he who remains, he says, you're the same person. But wow. And I think it's because his multi in, you know, his variants, he didn't see any like gender change in his variants. So it was kind of new to him. That's the only thing I was thinking. But wow, it's that was something that I had hoped that we wouldn't get, actually. What did you think? It's not about them being different versions of Loki. I'm one of the people who, when they watched the X-Files, they were hoping that Scully and Mulder were just going to be Scully and Mulder. We're going to be more than just FBI partners, more than just boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, not hook up, be this really cool like ride or die relationship but instead they had him hook up and then it's like well come on and that's what i was i was hoping for is some sort of like they are you know it's really interesting so sylvia sorry sylvie can't trust loki is the one who cannot be trusted and you put that together you get they do seem to like complement each other again not because of their genders but because of their personalities And I really was just hoping for a relationship beyond that. For me, if it was just like, you know, a quick kiss could have thrown him off. 
and she could still have done what they did. It was a long kiss with that weird, that camera, you know, when you have a couple kiss and you go around them with the camera, it's supposed to, if that's to signify like the romantic part of it, which it's just like, I really was like, like when I played Mass Effect, my shepherd, I played the female shepherd and Garrus, they had a ride or die relationship. They were beyond best friends. They didn't mm-hmm. hook up. Mm-mm. It's just that relationship, you know, that diehard, more than best friend, ride or die. That's what I was kind of hoping because you can connect just that way and, and become, feel like you're getting that really strong connection. Again, it could have been just like a quick kiss. It would have thrown him off. She still could have kicked him through the time portal that she created. And we still would have gotten the same ending. It was the length of the kiss that made me think that they might be going that way. And that's just, again, for me, it's because I'm really tired of seeing the male and female leads having to get together. And it's just something I'm tired of. One thing that I noticed as they were standing out in front of the Citadel is I was taking a look at their faces and they did a great job with lighting, making Sylvie and Loki's face look very similar. Like they were in actuality the same person, just a a female version and a male version, even though the two actors aren't related whatsoever. But they did look like the same person. And then you take them in and they reference he who remains reference the shared moment by the lake on lamentus and miss minutes mentions we can bring you into the sacred timeline together so he who remains pretty much was like yeah these two are romantically interested in each other basically is, is what i got out of it and I was taken aback by that just because the producers said that this wasn't the relationship that they were looking for. So I don't know. Again, with Sylvie pushing Loki off, it wasn't just to kill he who remains. I think she was thinking ahead because even though she's been solely focused on taking down the TVA, she's smart. And I think she was putting him in a place. I think she deliberately put him in a place where he needs to be in order to help in the end. But in order to get out of their loop, in order for her to completely destroy the TVA, she needed to bring him down, bring down he who remains. So we'll see if they connect again, and if they do connect again, if they help each other, or if they remain enemies. I think we've seen enough in the MCU of former enemies coming together especially with Loki, that it's not beyond the realm of plausibility for Sylvie and Loki to still get back together after that so-called betrayal, I guess, is, is one way to look at it. And we'll see. Unfortunately, Loki is in a place where his universe that he's been shoved in, there is no Loki. They don't know Loki in that universe. Uh, B-15 and Mobius were treating him like an agent, so obviously they weren't treating him like a Loki. And I think that's interesting because Mobius is very, very familiar with all the Lokis, including Sylvie, who he thinks he said was his favorite one. So we'll see. Did you catch at the end that Loki was in a different universe? I've seen that mentioned several times, but 
the first time I watched it, I didn't catch that. I thought it was just a change timeline, but I guess he's in a different multiverse. Well, I think that's a change timeline is a different multiverse. Like yeah. all those branches are different multiverses. So technically, I think being on a different timeline is synonymous with being in a different universe. Yeah. I think that's what that means. And of course, the basic thing behind all this is destiny versus free will, right? And this is what Mobius is worried about. This is what I think Sylvie is worried about a little bit. And this is definitely what Renslayer seems to be in search of, right? Supposedly. I had thought because of the comic background that Renslayer already knew he who remains. I'm not so sure of that anymore, especially because of the trickle of information coming from Miss Minutes. So I think, and, and if she really wanted to go see him, she knew that all she had to do was prune herself and she could have gone and seen him. So I guess they haven't met yet. It seems like it. Yeah, in the comics, they're like, or she's his girlfriend or something like that, right? Yeah, maybe it's a different approach than the comics. Yeah. They've, they constantly do that. Right, and I mentioned that before where I didn't know for sure. Anyway, I came out of this a little bit like, wow, this was a lot, and a little bit of, wow, this was maybe too much. This is going in way it wasn't even though it explained it it wasn't firmly expl- it was like i who have been podcasting about marvel since 2013 have to scratch my head going i have no idea what this means what i just watched it was kind of fun in the moment watching the episode but when you sit back and you try to think about it it's like i don't know what happened? So that's kind of where I still am right now. I think I might have to watch it a couple more times. I think I might have to talk to a few more people. I think I might have to get some more information from the producers or from Marvel itself to, to help me make sense of this. And I don't think that necessarily makes a good series when it comes down to that. When you come out of it and you're just totally confused. I don't know. That's one way that I was thinking about it. What do you think? Yeah, because this is overall plot confusion because it's like the story just stops and you really have no idea how it could be resolved in any movie or or anything else unlike wandavision where we had an end to the plot but we were still not so much confused but like more like intrigued confused when we saw her like being able to astral project the scarlet witch and stuff like that so yeah i was i'm like it was just like they couldn't like do two more episodes or something. It just felt like they got cut off. But I think we'll talk about that during the news about a rumor that I've heard. We will definitely. I'm not going to talk about favorite series and least favorite series and that sort of thing. I know we kind of did that with Netflix for a while, but it's still too early for this. And who knows, maybe season two of Loki will come in and we'll be like, oh yeah, of course, that sort of thing. Kind of like, And it's not exactly like it, but kind of like Infinity War was, you know, when I watched Infinity War and I still to this day, I don't like that movie all that much for a variety of different reasons. But a lot of people came out of it going, "Okay, well, this is the Empire Strikes Back moment and we're going to get the Return of the Jedi moment with Endgame, which 
kind of sort of is true, right? But I came out of Infinity War not really liking it, but knowing we had to go through it sort of thing. With Loki, I'm not sure we even like needed it. I think you could have put that plot at the beginning of Doctor Strange, basically, of the multiverse, of Kang, you know, doing the multiverse, and not have a whole six-episode series on it. Now, of course, you wouldn't have the great adventures of Tom Hiddleston. We wouldn't have met Sylvie. We wouldn't have Mobius. Okay. So now we have background to the characters as we go into the movie, but I don't know. That's the way I'm thinking of this, and yeah. Yeah. All right, any last thoughts on this episode or the series in general? No. Sorry, but no. <laughs> That's fine. <clears throat> so next week, we will be covering Black Widow, the movie that came out last week, premiered in front of theaters and Disney+. Plus. I had a great discussion this past episode over on the GuineaGeek.com show about the box office so we'll go into that next week the opening box office and what that means and what it doesn't mean and that sort of stuff so i'll cover a little bit of that again but if you're looking forward that type of discussion you can go over to this week's gonna geek.com episode and hear steven and i talk all about that in the meantime michelle are you ready for some news sure am all right here we go Well, first off, we've been talking about it really already all episode about how Loki has been renewed for season two during those midway through the end credits. We saw that stamp of Loki will return in season two, which I don't know if you've heard this rumor that they are actually had planned for a longer season, but because of COVID-19, they actually had to like stop at a certain point. And they couldn't like finish the season or something. You know, I don't know if you've heard that or not. I have heard that rumor. I think it's a convenient rumor at this point in time. I don't know if it's true or not. I could see it being true. And I could also see it being, oh, wait a minute. We don't want to give too much away. We want to actually have Doctor Strange in the multiverse, of which we're going to get several characters that we've had in the Disney Plus series already in. So maybe they need to conclude that storyline. Maybe in the process of creating Doctor Strange in the multiverse, there's some dangling threads there that they need to tie up. So they're going to use Loki season two to do it. I could see. Yeah, because I read in an interview with the actor who plays Sylvie that during the break in production, she said that everyone was able to step back and take a look at the whole story and able to retool us certain things. We do need to remember that the creator and showrunner of Loki is also writing Doctor Strange and in the madness of multiverse of madness. So perhaps in the whole being able to take a step back using Loki, realizing that they have to cut off and then know what to do with Doctor Strange and be able to pick it up for Loki. Maybe that was what happened because again, we have the same person involved in both of these stories. And so he might've been like, Oh, I can actually write it and then end it here, go into Doctor Strange and then come back to Loki here. 
that could be another possibility. Yeah, that's what I was referring to in terms of in the process of creating Doctor Strange in the multiverse because producers is, is the same. The writer is the same. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they were able to get with Kevin Feige and Kevin Feige approved the plan to be able to do something like that. But the problem with having a storyline that needs to be concluded in a movie back on Disney Plus is you are going to get some people that won't watch the series and then they'll go on with the MCU and they'll be completely confused. I think having Disney slash Marvel assume that everybody's going to watch the movies and the series, I think is a bad move. I don't mean like directly. Well, it's like being able to enjoy like the main Avengers movies, how there are some things that you do miss out on because you don't watch all the Iron Man or Thor movies or the Ant-Man stuff or whatever. So you do miss a few things, but you still get the overall story if all you do is watch like the Avengers and maybe a couple of like the Thor movies or something. I think that's kind of what they might be doing here because again, you don't need to watch WandaVision to understand why Scarlet Witch is going to be in Doctor Strange, but it's going to be very helpful. I think that's what I'm, I think that's what they're going to be doing is that type of stuff. That's fair because you are going to get Tom Hiddleston in Doctor Strange as Loki. So that would close up that loophole from Endgame within the actual MCU films. So yeah, I, Ah, I can subscribe to that. That's a good analogy. If you only watch the team up movies, not necessarily the Avengers movies, because there's some, I guess all, most of the Captain America movies were team up movies as well. So you can just call it like that. So yeah, we'll again, see where all this comes together, but I had heard rumor of that second season, but it wasn't in this context. So I was a little taken aback by this context, but then again, I don't know. I, I'm just a fan, right? I'm just watching this stuff as it comes out. I'm going to watch it whether it's good or not at this point. I definitely podcast on it. So, okay. It's an experience one way or the other until, you know, if it gets to the point where the MCU degrades to the point where like the DCEU degraded then I might reevaluate, but I haven't seen that yet. I mean, even with this Loki thing, it, I don't think it's at that point. It might be like Schneider cut-ish, but it's not really bad. So, okay. What do we got next? Well, next we have some primetime Emmy news. WandaVision actually got 23 nominations for Emmys, and Falcon and a Winter Soldier got five nominations. WandaVision's nominations include limited series, best actor and best actress, and best supporting actress in a limited series, production design for a half hour narrative program, three writing limited series nods, casting, fantasy, sci fi costumes, directing, two single camera picture editing, period slash character hairstyling, main title design, period slash character non prosthetic makeup original dramatic score, music and lyrics, main title theme, music supervision, sound editing, and mixing in a limited series and special effects. So 23 nominations. It's one of the higher 
ones. I think only the Mandalorian and the crown beat it. So it's one of the higher, it's one of the series that got like one of the most noms, which is fantastic for this show that people just really were not expecting at all and how weird it was. I'm really glad that Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany and Catherine Hahn got recognition for now, this is what's interesting because, you know, there's time. I know Falcon and Winter Soldier got a lot of like what was, what's called below the line, like the effects and all that type of stuff. The one above the line for Falcon and Winter Soldier is Don Cheadle for guest actor. And even he was surprised for getting nominated for basically being in an episode for 30 minutes, if even series. He was in two of the episodes, but it was really short, right? Yeah, really short. I mean, if you put this total time together, it reminds me of when Judy Dench won a Best Supporting Actor Actress Award for Shakespeare in Love because she was only in the movie less than 10 minutes and that led to a time requirement. The Academy did a time requirement that for a supporting actor to actually, you know, to be nominated for a supporting actor, you need to be in the film. Like it's a percentage, it's a ratio between your runtime and the appearance time. So it's not like an actual time limit, you know, 10 minutes in an 80 minute movie compared to 10 minutes in a two and a half hour movie. It's a different type of percentage, different type of ratio. Love Don Cheadle. It's great. He got nominated, but I'm sorry, but if you took his scenes out, the series would still stand on its own legs. So it's not like he was vital. I'm so sorry, Mr. Cheadle. Again, you're an amazing actor because even he's surprised because that's one of the things like even he has commented about his utter shock of being nominated for appearing in an episode for working for being in a series for such a short amount of time. So unfortunately, the award shows are not just straightforward. It's not like you're getting a ballot and you're filling it out and it's like, okay, who do I think is the best? There are campaigns that go on behind the scenes of different things. It's how the DC got the Suicide Squad and Oscar. It was an Oscar, right? Yeah. Yes. Oscar award winning. Yeah. That year long joke. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's still a joke, but it's because Warner Brothers had an all out campaign to get it an award. Because it was their differentiation from the MCU. It's like, aha, we actually make cinematic level comic book movies, whereas you guys are just off doing whatever. Well, jokes on you, box office and everything, right? But there are documented cases throughout the years, and one of which that I'm familiar with was John Wayne. So John Wayne was a stalwart of Hollywood for decades. He did hundreds of movies before there were. IMDb's full of hundreds of movies for actors. It was in an era where you didn't really have all that many movies being made each year. I mean, the early stagecoach sort of stuff is he did a lot of that, but he was a perpetual figure in Hollywood, but he had never gotten an award for anything. And his multiple time co-star Maureen O'Hara, she actually went out and started a campaign for him to win the best actor for True Grit, True Grit, the original True Grit, and he he won, and it was just because of this campaign, and it was more of a lifetime award for him than an actual 
award. And I would have to go back to the other actors that were in that year, but I think they got shortchanged because even though his performance was John Wayne's performance was pretty good, there were probably better performances in other films. So it's all political. It's all, oh, who's put the time in, who's put the work in, who's been the stalwart in the industry sort of thing. So I scratch my head over series, particularly in this case, Disney Plus getting so many Mandalorian had 24. You mentioned the Mandalorian. I was going to mention them as well. They had 24. I think it was last year, no, two years ago that Netflix went overboard in trying to get nominations and then Apple TV plus went ahead and, and tried to get nominations as did prime. So a little bit of that is the shift from linear TV to streaming. A little bit of it is the fact that we didn't have a lot of great linear TV in the past year because of COVID. And a little bit of it is because these are really good series, but then don't forget there's this political campaign that goes on behind the scenes for all this stuff as well. I'm just, if you're not familiar with these award shows and, and the award processes, I'm just telling our audience that these are the things that you have to keep in mind as well. Oh my gosh. And it's even worse. I used to, I actually lived in Los Angeles for about 10 years and good grief. You always knew when award season started because there came the billboards, the uh, signs off of the buildings. It's almost like election year with all of the things going on. You pick up the regular paper, you see big ads for your consideration sort of deal. I just, I kind of wish they would have pushed for Carl Lundby to get the nomination because I think he's the one oh, that should have that gotten That would have been great. That should, he should have, I'm sorry again, Mr. Cheadle, I'm sorry, but it should have gone to Carl. I'm just going to say it right here, right now. It should have gone to him because his portrayal, like rib cage cracked open, heart ripped out. He's the one that actually should be nominated. From that series. From that series. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, regardless, it's great to see that these Marvel Disney Plus series have gotten the acclaim that I believe that they deserve because they are well put together. It's a little bit of the fact that they're allowed to produce kind of in a vacuum and then produce the episodes. It just it's shorter series, basically. It doesn't have to be a half season of 13 episodes on linear TV or full season or something like that. So they can really tell the story and not have too much fluff in there. And it also, I just want to say WandaVision, everybody's talking about WandaVision for a variety of different things. It was groundbreaking in the fact of bringing together historical television sitcom genres weaved into the bigger story of Wanda just dealing with the fact of her love of her life basically having been taken away from her and her just dealing with that grief. We talked about it during our WandaVision coverage, the whole grief thing. It was masterfully done. It was done in an entertaining way for those that were looking at it. We talked about the four different levels at least of each episode that went through there and it had people talking for a very long time. Now we delved a little bit too far in some cases, but 
to be able to have that versatility is just amazing. So I, I do hope it wins some of the above the cut line awards as you were talking about. I, I do hope it wins some. I don't know if it'll win everything because you do have good series like you were talking about the crown in other genres as well. And I don't know. We'll just see what happens with the Emmys here. I'm generally not an awards guy myself because I consider these shows as Hollywood celebrating Hollywood and not necessarily really critical acclaim sort of things because of the, the politics that I talked about before. But in this case, if there is acknowledgement that there is good storytelling going on with this genre, then I will take that as a win. I've been railing against it for sci-fi for a very long time. I, I believed in in my fandom of sci-fi that there's been science fiction films and TV shows that should have been awarded that just weren't because, oh, you're just playing over there in that genre. Yeah, I mean, look at The Expanse. I talk about Orphan Black. The fans actually started a four-year consideration thing for the lead actor, Tatiana Masolani, and eventually got her in there and that was you know the fans urging the network it's like you you push you you know it also reminds me of game of thrones because the game of thrones fans really got peter dinklage that for, i mean he earned that he earned that but i remember the moment he slapped joffing me like from that first it started it just started you know his whole performance and people the fans actually started. So fans can be a part of it as well. But yeah, again, like I said, it's like campaigning for political office. I've lived through it. You would not believe. I mean, I actually knew someone who has a guild card. There are different, there are, um, there, there's the writer's guild, the director's guild, there's this, you know, actor's guild. During award season, if you are a guild member, you get to watch certain films that are being for consideration for free with a plus one and i actually got to see mahal and drive that way with ang lee in the audience he was like two rows in front of me i thought that was like holy shoot 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 holy shirt 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 holy shirt um (laughs) sorry (laughs) holy shirt you know and and things like that so yeah, I'm sorry to go on a little bit, but I, I just want to ver- I just want the audience to realize that SP is right about the campaigning. I've lived through it. I haven't lived through it, but I, as an outsider, I've realized it's going on. So yeah. Anyway, there's lots to talk about. Uh, there's even a few additional things to talk about, which we'll get to next week. Like I said, the box office for Black Widow, I want to talk about specifically in the Black Widow episode. So we'll be going over that. And uh, yeah, that's it for this week. And it's been uh, fun podcasting with you, Michelle, over the course of the last few episodes talking about Loki. Thank you for being my wingman here. Oh, oh, always happy to be here. All right. What do you think we should do now? I think we need to kick back, eat some fruit and watch the end of time fracture on our way out. Can we watch Time Fracture with a plus one? Sure, of course. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, audience, for being with us through this Loki watch, season one watch. We'll get through season two whenever they get to it. 
If you have any comments whatsoever, please leave them in our Discord server. I know there's been some talk both on Discord and over on Twitter. And thank you very much. And we'll see what we can do in terms of feedback next time. But thank you very much for continuing to download this podcast. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for all the listens, whether it's on um, where it's a podcast or you're listening is in the background on YouTube, which is something I do, which is interesting to do for various things. And yeah, always appreciate um, your interaction. And with that, we're going to sign off for the week. So until next time, I'm Director SP. And I'm Agent Michelle. See everybody next time. Bye. Bye. What would a multiverse version of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. be like? Hmm. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Ow. Yeah, all right? Yeah. I just kind of, you know, when you crack your neck sometimes and it just kind of like stays in, in the position before, just right before it cracks, you know, too long. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. I mean, podcasting is dangerous. <laughs> I suppose so. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.